0: (laughs) We found that out today. But um, we'll have a community open house on the first uh, Sunday afternoon, and then our dedication on the 15th, where we'll actually have our worship over there in the large room uh, and take some time really to pray over every square inch of that house, uh, sing the praises of the Lord and beseech him that he would come and simply indwell in that structure, that all that would go on would be to his glory. So today we come to John chapter 20 and the story of the resurrection. So if you're able, would you stand with me as I read the word of God? Heavenly Father, we pray that you would come upon us, that our eyes would be open to your word, that we would have understanding, Lord, not just of the words, but as to what you call us to do, how you call us to live and to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went forth and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. And the two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Simon Peter, therefore, also came following him and entered the tomb, and he beheld the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb entered then also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping, and so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she beheld two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and beheld Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, And she turned and said to him, in Hebrew, Rabbani, which is teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came, announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus therefore said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also sent you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. I was working in uh, Youth for Christ at one of the high schools in Washington County and uh, I've been asked to, to work with a young man in, in particular the guidance counselor had asked me to come in and and uh, help out with this young man who just just needed a little direction in his life how about that and there I was in the guidance counselors office and I overheard a conversation between a couple of teachers and the one came in and said you know that young man he was just born to play football he was born to run the ball The young man they were speaking about was about 6'2 230 pounds like chiseled rock uh, could run like a deer was only 17 years old okay he was born to run the football it just seemed like he had all the gifts and all the talents he had been the leading rusher in western pennsylvania at that time he'd been the leading scorer the leading receiver the leading everything he was the man The next great football talent to come out of southwestern Pennsylvania. Now for those of you who know anything about football talent that comes out of southwestern Pennsylvania, you've got the likes of Joe Montana and uh, Joe Namath, and uh, who was the Redskins quarterback who was still playing when he had a big gut? Uh, Sonny Kilmer, is that it? Yeah, that's that's it. Um, Him, um, who else? Griffey, baseball player, uh, you know, it's all there. Randy Jenkins, uh, the next leading football player. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, you know, he was born to do this. And everybody had these great expectations for him. And, and that was one of the problems. He was so, in a sense, so born to do it, he didn't have to do anything else. I don't think he ever lifted a weight. He was just kind, of, kind of naturally strong. You know, he was almost a man playing among boys, okay. He hardly ever lifted weights. He never studied. As as I heard later in the conversation, they were discussing whether his grade point average was 1.9 or 2.0. They were really excited because 2.0 got him into the next level, I think. Well, because he never did those things to, in a sense, fulfill the calling or the purpose for which he was born, he never went anyplace else. Never went to college. Uh, I know that he tried out as a walk-on on on some professional teams, and the last thing I heard about him I read in the local paper was his arrest report. Okay? So much talent. Born to do something, it was obvious, but he never did anything with it. He just let it. We kind of went with the flow. Somebody else who was born to do something. I was, uh, I'll pick on myself, when I was young, I used to play a lot of golf. And, and I could hear the, the adults there say, boy, Randy, you just have a natural swing. And I did. It was easy. This is when I was, I was younger. I hit the ball, it went down the middle. I hit the ball, it went a long way down the middle. I got to the green and I chipped, and it went up by the hole. I got my putter out, it went in. Golf was easy. It was very easy. And then came puberty. And I got muscles, OK? And I thought, well, if I just swing harder, the ball will go further. Well, sure enough, the ball went further, further right and further left, okay? And then the other thing that killed my golf game, girls, okay? Girls were the death of my golf game because no longer was I satisfied with just going to the practice range and hitting a bucket or two of balls or going spend the afternoon at the practice green and chipping and putting and honing my skills. Uh, There were other things to do, other pursuits in life. So if you want to know why my golf game isn't any better, it's Judy's fault. Okay? <laughs> now, there are others who were born to things. We know, you know Michael Jordan. He, he grew up for most of his uh, uh, childhood in Wilmington, North Carolina, so there's a lot of, of history there as we were in Wilmington, North Carolina. And it sure, certainly looks like it later in life that he was born to play basketball. But you know he got cut from the sophomore team at Laney High? But when he was a senior, he was McDonald's All-American. Okay, something happened between sophomore and senior year. He, in a sense, worked very hard and came and blossomed into what he was born to do. We come to Jesus Christ. Now, this is Easter. This is resurrection. But we go back to his birth. What was he born to do? He was born for this day, to die and to be raised. He came into this world for one purpose, and that was to give his life as atonement for our sin, as a sacrifice for many. Now, we we understand that uh, just from the very beginnings of, of, of Scripture, there was a sacrificial system in place, and it was a repeated and ongoing system where sins would be covered by the blood of animals, an imperfect system, but one that God had laid out for us, I think really in an effort to get to the point that we would understand when the sinless, spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, came and gave his life as the perfect sacrifice and rose as victorious over death, we would understand the fulfillment of all that scripture had been pointing to. And we see that John writes his entire gospel for a specific purpose, that we would believe this truth. That's why all these things are written been written. That's why he lists the miracles of Jesus, so that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ. This is what he was born to do. Now, let's understand that Jesus came into the world as our substitute. Hebrews chapter 2 shows us that for a brief time, Jesus was made lower than the angels. That means in, in human form, he came into this world as a man, born of the Virgin Mary, And he became a man. For what reason? So that he could taste the same death that every man did. But also that he would do it in a way that we cannot. He would do it in a way that was without sin. He would do it in a way that not only did he feel the pain of the nails, the beatings, the thorn of the crowns, but he bore the weight of our sin. Probably the most painful and dreadful thing. Now, the weight of our sin is something intangible to us. We can talk about it, we can say yes, it's real, but sin is very real. As we we read in Romans chapter 5, that is what separates us from our Heavenly Father. It comes from us from Adam, and it keeps us from the presence of the Lord. And only when the Lord works in our lives through the work of Jesus Christ can we go back into his presence and be reconciled to him. Paul said the wages of sin is death. We can either attempt to rid ourselves of sin or rely upon the Lord for that work. And only Christ can accomplish that work because he was without sin. But if all he did was die, then we wouldn't be here this morning because as well he was raised. Some of you know the hymn, I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, I hear his voice of cheer. just the time I need him he's always here he lives he lives Christ Jesus lives today how do you if you ask me how I know he lives He lives within my heart now that living within my heart is Christ living within us because of the presence of the Holy Spirit okay Christ who is at the throne at the right hand of the Father has sent the Spirit into this world excuse me he said I have to go so another can come and he sent the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, that he may dwell within us. Well, here we are, 2,000 years removed from his life, his birth, his death, his resurrection. And still people in this world wrestle with this question, what was I born for? Why am I here? Now, we look around the created world and somehow we, we fit perfectly in this world. There's just enough oxygen in the atmosphere, just enough nitrogen. We're just the right distance from the sun that we don't bake or we don't freeze. The world turns at just the right time to heat and then cool and then heat and then cool. So many things in this world are ordered perfectly for our existence, perfectly for our existence. Yet there are still, who, still those who don't understand why we're here or what's the purpose of our presence here in this world. We're going to look at three people in Scripture who knew from an early time what they were born for. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn to Judges chapter 13, we'll go there. Now the book of Judges is is about a, a group of men and women whom the Lord raised up. To deliver Israel at different times from different enemies, and this was somewhere between the time of um, you know, the Joshua and the conquering and the moving into the promised land and prior to the time when the people yelled out for give us a king, give us a king. The judges were raised up periodically um, just to fit specific purposes at specific times and here is the story of one of those judges thirteen. Now, the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, so that the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines 40 years. Now, understand, these are the chosen people of God, and all they had to do was obey the Lord. But what did they do? Well, they would obey the Lord for a while, and then they would go and make an idol out of a stone or a tree and worship it for a while or chase the pagan gods of other nations, and they would forget the Lord who had delivered them and cared for them and protected them so often and whose covenant promise was, if you worship me, I will bless you. If you don't, I will curse you. Well, here's an example of that. They had chased after other gods, evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for forty years. Now that's that's um, uh, you know for the mule who won't pay attention, all you have to do is smack him once, right, and get his attention. Here it took forty years to get the attention of Israel as they were given over to the hands of the Philistines, their great enemies. Verse two, and there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had borne no children. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. Now therefore be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So, even in his mother's womb, his mother was responsible to begin keeping the same vow that he would have to keep as a Nazarite. The Lord had already determined what he was to be born for, and that was to deliver the people from the hands of the Philistines. A Nazarite vow you could take for a period of time for a, an, an event or to accomplish one specific thing, or you could take it for a lifetime. We see that John the Baptist was a Nazarite as well. If you don't know who we're talking about here, this is Samson. Okay, Samson was born for a purpose. Before he was conceived in his mother's womb, the Lord had said, this is what he'll do. He'll deliver the people from the Philistines. Now, Samson wasn't perfect. We we know all you have to do is look back at, and, and of course, you know, theology by cinema. You look back at the movie and you've got Victor Mature and Hedy Lamar, and, and he's fixated on her and she's just dragging him along and finally gets the, the secret out and cuts his hair. And then uh, as he's held in captivity, he repents and the Lord comes upon him again in that, in that, in that movie. Well, this was the purpose of Samson's birth, to destroy the Philistines and deliver Israel, and that's what he did. He fulfilled that purpose. Let's go over a few pages to Jeremiah chapter 1. You know, being a judge of Israel, uh, that wasn't so bad. Uh, Samson didn't always do it very well, but you know, it wasn't too bad. Being a prophet of God, you didn't have many friends. If you were a prophet of God. And Jeremiah was just not a very popular individual because the message that he gave to the people was, and this is paraphrasing, you're messing up okay? You're chasing other gods. You're not doing what the Lord wants you to do. Get it together and there's, where there's going to be judgment upon you. Now, if you walked around Huntsville saying, Huntsville, repent, or judgment's going to come upon you, gee, you just wouldn't make many friends. You wouldn't be invited to many social events if all you did by going over to somebody's house and they talk about, you know, Alabama or Auburn, and you're talking about judgment, okay? And you know, judgment's going to come upon that stadium. I don't care who's winning, That's pretty much what Jeremiah was to do. He was to go about his entire life as a prophet of the Lord. And here we have his purpose. Verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. This is before he had been conceived. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. This is Jeremiah's purpose. Why was he born? To be a prophet to the nations, to be set apart for the work of the Lord. So we see, why was he born? To tell the people about the Lord. Tell the people about the coming judgment and to call them to repentance. One more, Luke chapter 1. First chapter of Luke, begin in uh, verse 13. This is, of course, John the Baptist. And if you've been around at Christmas, you understand the story of John the Baptist. You understand that even... As, as he was within the womb and Mary walked in and Jesus was in the womb, he leapt within Elizabeth's womb because he was in the presence of the Savior. Verse 13 of chapter 1. But the angel said to him, this is Zacharias, his father, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous." So, as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. His purpose, what he was born for, was to say, Don't look at me, look at Christ. Because Christ has come. There is the Savior of the world, the Messiah. He is the one who has come that we have been waiting for. That was his purpose. He says, I have to decrease so that he can increase. Now, you, you may look at your life and say, well, yeah, I know what I was born for. I was born to be a teacher. I mean, I'm just good at it. Or I was born to be a lawyer. Or I was born for my lazy boy chair. I, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is. I was born to be a mother. I was, I just, I'm, I'm born to be a dad. I just love it. I love it. And all those are important things. But this morning, this Easter morning, that contention is you were born to be resurrected born to be resurrected. Not that I know the eternal disposition of everybody in this room. I don't know if everybody has professed Christ as their Lord and Savior. I don't know that. You know that in your heart. But we were made for a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that can only happen through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one gets to the Father except through me. You see, when humanity was created... We were not designed for death. Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, if it hadn't been for sin, they'd still be running around in the garden as far as I know. And we don't know how long they were in the garden before they listened to the voice of, of Satan and, and went and did their own thing apart from the word of God. So sin entered in the world and with sin came death. But for those who believe in the words of Jesus Christ, there is eternal life. There is resurrection. Yes, each of us will die. Death and taxes, okay? Aren't those things guaranteed? We're sure about death. Okay. Remember, Dan said a couple years ago, a couple weeks ago. Newsflash: death, death rate still at 100%. Everybody's dying. Okay. But for those who are in Christ, there's resurrection. This morning, out in the backyard, at the sunrise service at seven o'clock, we had an unfuneral, an unfuneral. Okay. Usually at funerals you go to Maple Hill and there's a body and you discuss that and you talk about the faith of that individual and that Christ will rise, that will return and he will rise. At the unfuneral we had today, there's no body in the tomb. That body's already out. And that empty tomb is the guarantee for every believer that we too will rise from the dead. Now that is every believer. Every believer who's in Jesus Christ will be raised in a body that is imperishable, a body that will no longer know the pain or death or sorrow or anything like that. We will be able to look at the face of God in heaven. Revelation, the last chapter, says very clearly, the things that we will be doing in heaven, one of those we will look upon the face of our Heavenly Father. Now, I'm not talking about a symbolic resurrection I'm not talking about a resurrection of spirit. I'm talking about the body of Christ that went in the grave, came out of the grave. The body of Randy Jenkins that goes into the grave will one day come out of the grave, and it will be changed. It will be changed. But like the young man that I spoke of earlier, if you don't do anything, you don't believe anything, if you don't appropriate, in a sense, the the salvation that Christ offers, nothing will happen. If you sit and go, that's great. I believe in resurrection you bet but but your heart has to be changed. See Christ is not about simply knowing it. It's about having a heart that has been made new. For he comes and takes our old sinfulness and takes it away and replaces us with a heart that seeks after him. Today if the Lord has called you if you sense within your your heart, Lord this is what I was born for. I was born for a relationship with you, and now I finally understand. Then today is the day that you need to simply, when we pray, to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin, that he would be your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, perhaps it was as recently as as last night. One of us was in bed. There's an emptiness in our hearts. It's in the quiet of our own room. In the darkness, and and we wondered, why am I here? What is it that, that I am supposed to do? Why have I been placed in this world? And today that answer has come. For you have called us. You said, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ today, and you will be saved. For he is risen. He's no longer in the tomb. And because he has come out, he will return and gather those who belong to him. And we too will be raised imperishable. Lord, come upon us today. There are people here that don't know you. Lord, just melt their hearts. Give them such a peace that it is you at work in their lives that they would profess faith in Jesus Christ today, that he would come in and they would receive him as their Lord and Savior. And, Heavenly Father, for those of us who are already believers, that you would instill in us this great confidence that our lives have purpose and our lives have meaning and we were born to be raised in the same fashion that Christ was. But until that day you have called us to stay here and to live out the things of Christ in word and deed, that we might proclaim the glories and the work and the power and the love and the grace and the mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Our hymn is 377, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Now, when we're finished with the hymn, what we have done the last several years.